Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. This is Hugh Ballou. Welcome. We're in, um, I don't care when you listen to this, we just started 2024. You might be listening at a later date, but the content we have in the nonprofit exchange interviews is always relevant to leadership. A lot of things change in the world, but the fundamental principles, especially the principles we're talking about today, are consistent. No matter how technology changes, the culture changes, there's some things that we need to focus on, some basic principles of relationships. So uh, Paul Zolman is my guest today. Paul, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Please tell people a little about who you are, your background, and your passion for this work that you do. Thank you, Hugh. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, I'm Paul Zolman. I'm actually have been in on the board of directors of many nonprofit organizations, a lot of chamber of commerces, uh, several community organizations, and I, I love the nonprofit sector, Hugh. And I appreciate you opening this uh, venue up so that we could talk about something that's really dear to my heart. I grew up in an abusive home, and just not wanting that to pass that on to my children. Uh, at age 17, I made that that declaration that every 17 or 18 year old makes. I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm I'm going to do things a lot better. I'm going to be better better than they were, and then we end up doing things just like our parents did, or or close to it. So hopefully, we'll we do it just a little bit better. I wanted to do it a lot better. And I wanted to make make it um, not a, an angry atmosphere like I grew up in. I wanted to do it, it to be more a loving atmosphere within my own home. And there were several times that I had this epiphany throughout my life. One epiphany happened at age 35 when I made a declaration, I don't want to be angry anymore. And it's kind of a double negative, but you consider where I came from. That just uh, was the way we were raised. We're raised in more of a critical atmosphere and double negatives work in math. And we're talking about math today. We're talking about raising funds. Do you multiply two negative numbers by, uh, by um, against each other and it makes a positive number? It wasn't working for me in relationships. So I wanted the relationships to be better. And, and it, it really was just kind of a hard road for me this anger that what was happening Hugh, was that have an uh, being annoyed at what somebody else did annoyed 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 i'd be stacking these annoyances until i get to the point that there was just a little annoyance but it was enough that it was the straw that broke that camel's back and then i have this flash of anger i'd go back down and then i start the cycle over again i wanted to really stop that cyclic type of behavior and so I decided I've, I've got to learn more about love. And so I started stu studying the, the color code and then the five love languages. And I really liked the principles of the five love languages because this was something that that I could or I could relate to. I wanted them in my life. But I read the book four or five times, Hugh, and it just wasn't resonating with me. I, I didn't get it. Coming from where I came from, that angry atmosphere, I just did not understand what the five love languages were and how, how they could apply to my life. 
You mean Dr. Chapman, who wrote the book? Dr. Chapman, if I guess what Hugh's love language is, and I cater to Hugh, we're going to be buddies. And you're calling that love? I can't, I didn't come from a, a, a background of love. I didn't sound like love, and it wasn't working because I'm a bad guesser. It wasn't working up until that point in my life, and it still wasn't working. So Dr. Chapman, in also his book, he's got a, a survey. So, well, if you take this survey, Hugh, then you can find out what your love language is. What am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? Hello, Hugh. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? And Gifts would be perfect. You know, you can make a nonprofit badge that says, my, my love language is Gifts. Here's my Venmo account and just have people scan your QR code. I mean, it would be awesome. Just make the badges and, and wear it all around. And people that do fundraising really ought to have something fun like that, just something funny that they could raise funds with in that way. It wasn't working for me in, in that way either. So I, I decided, Hugh, that I would contact Dr. Chapman because I, I remember as a child that even, even as dysfunctional as our family was, we played games together, not brought our family together especially at Christmas time, between Christmas and New Year's, we'd break out a puzzle and we'd do puzzle together or something like that that would bring the family together. There was still all the smack talk. There was still all the put downs. When you put somebody down, the thought was it would elevate you. doesn't work. It really doesn't help relationships at all. But that was the angry culture that I was raised in. And But I liked the games. So I contacted Dr. Chapman and thought, Dr. Chapman, are you licensing those little icons, those little pictures you have for each one of the love languages? And after a couple of weeks, his attorney wrote back, said, no, we're not doing that at this time. So I had an attorney, a copyright attorney within my neighborhood that I knew was a friend. And I told him the idea and he said this. He said, theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. So they weren't doing it as a game. So I, I decided I'm going to make it a game. And let's review the five love languages. I made it into a cube. This first one is you'll notice that each one of these icons that I created have a hand. And the hand is represented for giving. This is something you can give away, much like your donors would be giving to your nonprofit organization. So this one has an hourglass on it. And it, the hands holding an hourglass representing time. Giving of your time would be a love language. Some people really respond to that. The next one is uh, looks like a waiter holding a, a platter. This would represent service, giving service away. The next icon I have is two hands together forming a heart. The heart has a little conversation flyout. These would be the words of the heart, representing the words. These are ways people like to be loved. There's a preference. Dr. Chapman's theory says there's a preference. Everyone has a, a primary way that they like to be loved. This one is two, looks like two hands holding each other. They're holding hands, and that represents touch. And then the last love language is a hand holding a gift, representing gifts. Five love languages, six sides on the cube. This side is a hand holding a question mark. That represents surprise me. So, Hugh, there's just two instructions. You're on the cube every day. Whatever it lands on, that's the love language you practice giving away all day that day, all day to everybody. Well, I created this when I was single, so I, Dr. Chapman suggests that you do this with your significant other. 
I didn't have a significant other. So who in the heck am I supposed to love, Dr. Chapman? Well, I just said, well, what if I loved everybody? Absolutely was perfect for me, Hugh, because I needed this behavior to be consistent. I needed, I, see, nobody I know, nobody I know is with their significant other 24-7. Some people are really happy about that, but some people just like being with their significant other. I didn't have one, but I thought if I love everybody, that means all day long I'm sending out love or watching for opportunities to send out love in that genre all day that day. And what I'm watching for, Hugh, is when people light up. When they light up, I've discovered their primary love language. No longer, Hugh, do you have to say, excuse me, could we pause this relationship while I have you take this survey so I know how to love you? You don't have to, that's awkward. You don't have to do that anymore. I've solved, I've solved the problem. So, wow. Wow. so here we are, here we are. So that's how what that's how I, I became versed in all five love languages by giving it away. The best part about that is now I can see it when it's coming my way and I can respond appropriately. Most people only respond to what they like. I can say, oh, they're loving on me. It's not my primary love language, but I can respond back to that. You're going to need your the people that are soliciting donor, donors and soliciting those, those funds. You're going to need them to know all five love languages so that they can detect what love language that donor might be. That's a button that you want to push to help them understand how the cause that you're representing is is the cause that you that uh, they should fund. Let's unpack. That's a whole lot of data, which is filling in a lot of the missing pieces. You know, it's it's a reverse paradigm. Our title today for this interview is Learn to Love the Donor, dot, dot, dot. They will love your cause with their wallets. And I think the first paradigm that people practice is loving the money and, and just going through the donor to get to the money. And what you're suggesting is a whole different paradigm, which is critical. Um, we, you know, we, we tend to push away money because we emphasize it. And we, we, you know, we have this uh, psychiatrist, psychologist call it the shadow about money. You're presenting a whole different paradigm for leaders to consider. So just give us the five words as a summary again. What are the five different identifying words? Time. Time. Service. Service. Words. Words. Touch. Touch. And gifts. Love it. Love it. Just as I mean, this I want to make sure we get that. Folks, you'll find this inter interview on the nonprofitexchange.org. The video of it, the audio, you can click and get it on your smartphone, the nonprofit exchange. You'll also see the transcript. You'll be able to get that summary in the transcript for the interview. So um so we're we tend to, you talked about negatives. The word whole in approaching things from a negative perspective, the whole thing of identifying ourselves in this sector by what we're not is nonprofit. We are a for for purpose business, not a for profit business. So the the paradigm shift is important. Mm -hmm. So what could we and we say nonprofit because it identifies the sector, but what could we expect by knowing these languages of a donor? What, you know, we we want to categorize this to one person, but it would occur to me that everybody in the organization should understand 
Oh, there's a, there's a leadership paradigm here too. I think everybody needs to understand their leadership role and understand these these languages. But what you just surfaced is something that we underutilize as a leadership skill, which is listening. We want to talk. And you pointed out, you listen with your ears, but you also listen with your eyes when you said people light up. So talk about, you know, how do we benefit by knowing this language as, a, as an organization? Great question, Hugh. And I think that the best way is to just understand these are basics, that the love languages really are a basic foundation for getting to the higher laws of, of love that most foundations are based upon. You'll get, you'll get the, to the higher laws just the exact same way like I got, I was started stacking this annoyance, 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 annoyance to get to that flash of anger. You'll start stacking this kindness on top of kindness, on top of kindness, on top of kindness to get to these higher laws. And the kindnesses I'm talking about are as you're stacking these kindness, kindnesses and getting to know that donor, you're gonna understand what their passion is. And you'll get to the, you'll start stacking, stacking this. You'll be able to detect their love language by doing that. It's just a conversation that you'll have and you'll be able to understand what's most important to you. Uh, that stacking effect from kindness to kindness to kindness to kindness gets you to compassion. It gets you to charity. In, in, in uh, uh, loving relationships, it'll get you to intimacy. It'll get you to forgiveness. It'll get you to that empathy or that sympathy or that mercy. These are higher laws of love. And most nonprofit organizations that I've dealt with are, are based on those higher laws of love. They already practice those higher laws of love. And you want to bring that donor from those basics, the basic love languages, to that higher level of compassion. And that's by the kindness. Um, there was a time in my life, Hugh, that I, I used to knock doors with my children, boys, that uh, were selling, they'd sell melt-away mints, or they'd sell coupon books, or or they sell one one thing or another as a fundraising event for Boy Scouts or for for a, a, a nonprofit organization similar to that. We'd knock door to door, and I found out that as I'm knocking doors with my children, I'd never, I would not give them the pitch. I'd tell them, I'd train them a little bit. And it was, it was very simple, Hugh. It said, especially for the melt-away mints, I'd, I'd tell them, you need to state your name. I'm Paul Zolman. I'm with the Boy Scouts. I'm selling melt-away mints. The, the question had to be, how many would you like to buy? So you want your donors to actually decide for themselves and have that power to decide how much would you like to donate? And then once they, you get that number in mind, say, how would you like to, how would you like to, to do that? Would you like the wired? Do you need wire instru wiring instructions? Are you writing a check? Is it cash? How is it that they're going to transfer those funds to you? And you get to that point that let the donor decide how much in that way. You, or you can prompt them a little bit and say, this is what we're looking for for this particular project. For example, uh, uh, I've, I'm looking for funds to actually, corporate funds to, to actually put these in school systems. So in the school system, it's not going to take much to put it in a school system. You buy the die. Each classroom needs a die, at least one, maybe several. 
but you buy the buy the cube and and then the corporation would fund the printing process for the journal that the child would write in at the end of the day so they so now the at the start of the day they roll the die they're say the teacher saying class we're watching for this type of activity these type of opportunities to love today at the end of the day that last 10 to 15 minutes is really non-productive time i've talked with teachers all over the world and that last 10 to 15 minutes the kids are tired they're antsy they know the bell's gonna ring and their minds are mush they can't learn one more thing why not provide them with a decompression activity which is journal writing something that they could report so how did I do today? In that love language that I rolled at the beginning of the day, how did I do today? You can have your nonprofit uh, personnel do the same thing. Roll it at the beginning of the day. How did I do at the end of the day? Have them report. Have them refine those skills so that they understand this was a great day. I helped uh, several people. I saw several people light up. When they light up, you know you've got them because that's their love language. Keep speaking that love language to the donor and that's how you get it to their wallet. You just highlighted something that nonprofits are not good at as, as a category, you know, as, as a segment. Um, I'm gonna segue from what I said about underutilizing listening skills. And there's a quote comes to mind by that famous Greek philosopher, Anonymous. You know, the listening is so close <laughs> to loving, you can hardly tell the difference. And so there's 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 a reciprocity in that. So what you've just surfaced here is brilliant. We don't understand <clears throat> now. Corporate sponsorships are not donations. That's marketing money. Hmm. So you want to tell the corporation you've got a good brand. They've got a good brand. What's the value in associating with your brand? It's a business discussion. It's not a philanthropy discussion. By the way, you break down philanthropy to the root words. It's the love of humankind. Below anthropos. So it's, you know, it's, it's in our DNA, but having you've, you just alerted us. That's a brilliant thing. You've got something that's tangible in the cube, the dice and the book, the, the company can put their brand on it. It's good for them. You know, it gets their brand out there in a very positive way, but it's a win-win, you know, they're, they're raising money. They're teaching children about love, but there's a whole lot of um, energy in the tactical part of writing which benefits the, the learning system and benefits them a lot. So it's a win, win, win for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the nonprofit gets some funding and it's funding that's specifically to do that thing. And if we are good at reporting to the business, this is how we placed your brand in strategic places. They're likely to do it again <laughs> because you've, you've been very diligent. It's like reporting on a, on a grant, what's actually happened as a result. So there's a similarity, there's a value proposition and there's an impact. And then here's what how it's benefited you. So it's re the reporting back, like with any donor. And so it occurs to me, you've talked about the love externally. Let's talk about internally. We have this V word, you know, we have staff and volunteers. We like to call them servant leaders in, 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 um, in, in my world, because you know, they, they are leaders in their own right doing something that we've designed a pathway, but internally, there's a, there's got to be a benefit for showing love for the people that work. We work together with volunteers, board committees, all of those people. So talk about that a minute, would you? Absolutely, you, uh, Hugh. Before you and I were ever born, 
there's laws in the universe. And some of those laws of the universe are called the law of the harvest. Some people call it karma. Some people call it the law of attraction. Whatever it is, the, the whole law is that whatever you send out is going to come back to you someday. So be careful what you send out. What, what you're doing is you're sending out love on a daily basis with, with rolling the cube or however you want to do it, deciding that I'm going to love in that way all day today. While you're doing that and people light up, there's great satisfaction there. This is how your volunteers get paid. There's great satisfaction in that type of making someone's day. If you've made someone's day a happier day, you've lifted them up where they weren't before. You can walk down the street. It doesn't work to sit at home and have your own pity party say, nobody loves me. And it doesn't ever, will never work like that. These volunteers are out there. They're getting out there. They want to make a difference in the world. And they see this cause and they want to be part of that cause. They're there for a purpose. And that purpose is to light people up. That purpose is to help people on their way. There's a, a nonprofit in, in town that my wife found that we pack lunches for children for the weekends because they don't have school lunch on the weekend. So we pack lunches for them and then the, the, they're distributed through the school system. This is just, we don't even have contact with the recipients, but just the whole idea that this is going to a good cause, this is going to a person. You may not be lighting anybody up, but you're working together with like-minded people that have that same uh, same feelings, the same idea that they want to do that. Uh, some people call it a dating experience too, that you know, people that are maybe single get together and they do this together. And when they see someone giving of themselves and another person sees them giving of themselves, that is a common bond that single people have that can make them become a couple. And it's just a lot of ancillary things that could happen by that bonding experience of giving. And I think that that's another benefit that the volunteers have is that bonding experience. These are like-minded people. It's almost like a church, if you will, that you're making them feel that bonded experience of this is a, a, a great cause that we're working together on. This is something that I can, I like these people that are doing this together and find something that you like to do and volunteer. I love volunteering. Well, your your website is, um, let me pull it up here. People watching can see it, but uh, if you're not, if you're on the podcast, of course you can't see it. It's rolloflove, um, rolloflove.com. So when people go to rolloflove.com, what will they find? Hugh, they're going to find uh, more of the commercial side of, of this. They're going to find the dice. They're going to find the book. They'll find several suggestions of, of what to do with the dice and, and what to do with the book. They'll find suggestions of, of how they can practice that genre, so to speak, of love every single day. Uh, uh, they'll find uh, uh, comments, uh, blogs of other people that have used it. They'll uh, Eventually, they'll have all the... Uh, the podcasts will be on there. I don't have any, I don't, it doesn't look like I have very many on there. There's a few on there, but the, they'll eventually have 
several podcasts on there that will, you know, explain what we're talking about here. And it's just the whole concept of loving everyone. No longer, Hugh, is it about me or about you. It's about them. It's always about them. And if we can make our lives a service life like that, that it's always going to be about them, we're going to get that feeling of satisfaction that we've uplifted someone, that we've made a difference in someone else's life. And I think that that's the whole key to nonprofit organizations, as I see it, that they want to make a difference in the lives of those that they're they're planning to help. I think we can go past thinking it's, I think we know it's right, isn't it? So mm -hmm. here's a summary of the cube. The words is one side, service is another, time is another, touch is another, gifts is another, and as you said, surprise me. So Paul, we, we've come to the, quickly, I might say, I did the end of this really informational, inspiring interview today. Um, thank you for giving us some important paradigm shifts that I've been doing this 35 years. This is a great paradigm shift for me. So I know others have a paradigm shift. So what do you want to leave people with? You said a lot of good things, but how do you want to wrap it up? Leave them with a thought or a challenge or whatever. How do you want to leave people today? Great question, Hugh. And and I, I love the words we get from other languages. And I want to, we're talking about the love languages. Not, let's set aside the love languages for one minute and just go to India for a minute. I wanted to go to the Sanskrit dialect, which is in actually Northern India. From the Sanskrit dialect, we get words like nirvana. We get karma. But the one I want to talk about is namaste. Putting your hands together like this, thumbs to the chest, eyes closed, say namaste. Most of the time, Hugh, they'll say it at the end of a yoga class, but it doesn't mean, hey, y'all, class is over. You can go now. doesn't mean that at all. The, hin the Hindu interpretation of it, it and which I love, says means that the God in me sees the God in you. Or put another way, the divine in me sees the divine in you. I think that we need to get away from thinking and having have that paradigm shift that says that that I used to have that said what's wrong with that person why don't they do it this way to that paradigm shift to say what's right with that person what can I love about that person and what's good about that person look for the good in other people and and refine the bad in yourself rather than look for the bad in other people and feel good about yourself doesn't work that way Paul Zolman, you've been a great guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange. You've certainly inspired me, and I'm sure others will too. So thank you so much for being here today to inspire us. Thank you, Hugh. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for watching the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.